Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. The last week up a little bit north of Traverse City, and most of that time, I think the last four or five days, was just the two of us, and it was wonderful and beautiful, and I love my kids, but I liked sending them away. It was great. So, uh, but we're feeling refreshed. We're excited to, 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 to be with you guys this morning and just to be part of what God is doing here in Cass County. It's just, it's really, really awesome. And we have an opportunity in the midst of this kind of tumultuous time, right, with, with racial challenges in our, in our country and the, the COVID pandemic and all this stuff that's going on, right? We have an opportunity to be lights, to bear witness of Jesus to be people of peace in the midst of this crazy, chaotic world. And I'm just excited about pressing in that, into that with, with you guys, with this community, bearing the light of Jesus here. Um, so anyway, that doesn't have anything to do with what I'm talking about. We are continuing, actually finishing our series called Stand Firm. And over the last few weeks, we've looked at a variety of of characters from the Bible uh, that stood firm in the way of God or in the way of, of Jesus in the face of difficult times. And uh, two weeks ago, we talked about the, the prophet Isaiah. Last week, Pastor Bill was here talking about uh, the prophet Daniel. And today, I managed to take this topic and, and kind of wedge in my favorite topic and my favorite person. It's Jesus. So today, we are going to look at how we can stand firm in the way of Jesus. And really, if we want to stand firm like Isaiah did, and like Daniel did, and like Moses, and all of these amazing people of of the Bible, what we need to do is learn the rhythm of rest, the rhythm of rest that Jesus reveals. Uh, Abraham Lincoln uh, is famously quoted as saying, Give me six hours to chop down a tree, and I will spend the first four sharpening the axe. And that is so good, right? We know that as we uh, prepare our tools, right, they're more effective for what they are supposed to do, right? It's way quicker to chop down a tree with a sharp axe than it is some old dull piece of of metal, right? And so in the same way that we want to keep our tools sharp, we want to keep ourselves sharp. And and God revealed this in, you know, throughout the Bible in the the, the, uh, Ten Commandments. What do we call those? The Ten Commandments, right? This this idea of practicing Sabbath is a, a continual practice that is for his people so that we can enter into rest so that we can be effective in standing firm, so we can be effective in doing what he has called us to do. I don't know uh, how many of you guys know a guy by the name of Sam Wakefield. Uh, Sam is a pastor at one of uh, our uh, associated churches up in Muskegon called The Resting Place. And Sam is an amazing, an amazing guy. And I remember years ago going up to his church and, and spending some, some time there, and he was talking about soaking. Now, soaking in kind of our charismatic flow of churches is a pretty popular 
practice where you turn on some music and you just lay there and you turn your attention to Jesus. Um, it's maybe what more ancients uh, would have called silence and solitude, getting quiet before the Lord. And so it's this practice that has endured through the history of the church where we just come into the presence of God and we allow him to transform us and to change us. And, um, and what is amazing about Sam is he grabbed hold of this idea of soaking. And he said, yeah, usually after work, after I put the kids to bed, I'll soak for an hour or two. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? Like, you're, you're, he's a contractor, he's a busy guy, you know, he's a businessman. Like, you work all day, you take care of your three or four little kids and, and your wife, and then somehow you find two hours every night to, just to lay down and listen to music. And uh, I was like, well, that seems crazy, right? And, uh, but if you know Sam, like, the presence of God saturated him to this incredible extent that everything he did was covered with the characteristics of Jesus. Joy and peace and happiness, right? And love. Like, he was, he just exuded these things. And I think the, the value that, that we see there is that he was willing to practice the way of Jesus. And that's what I hope that we see at the end of this message, is that Jesus continually practiced pulling away, praying, and being alone with the Father. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he said this, he said, Silence is nothing else but waiting for God's word and coming from God's word with a blessing. Right? So we enter into the silence of the presence of God, knowing that we are going to encounter him, and we're going to get a word of blessing to him. Now, I've never spent time waiting on God and then going away, going like, well, that was just a waste of time. Right? It just is valuable, and God meets us there. And he gives a blessing. But this is the rest of Bonhoeffer's quote. He says, But everyone knows that this is something that needs to be practiced and learned. Right? It's hard. It's, it's this one of those challenging things that's super simple. It's literally sitting or laying down, trying not to fall asleep. Oh, you can fall asleep. It's fine. Uh, we call that sloking. Sleep while you're soaking. Just fall asleep. If you fall asleep while you're soaking, it probably means you need rest, so it's okay. Um, and uh, it's actually, as an aside, I was reading this book that Pastor Jimmy gave me, and it was talking about uh, spiritual disciplines. And it, the first spiritual discipline in the book was getting eight hours of sleep. And I'm like, this is a book that I can get into, right? Like, I'm going to practice this. I can do it. All right. So sleep is important. Rest is important. But we need to, to press into it because everything in our lives, in our hearts, in our culture, pushes against us stopping. We want to be effective. We want to get stuff done, maybe, right? Or when we sit in this place of, of silence, it's painful because we start, when we're not full of distraction, looking in and realizing, oh man, there is a bunch of garbage in here that I need to deal with. There's fear and insecurity and anxiety and all of this stuff that I need to give to Jesus that I've not been paying attention to because I've been distracting myself. And so rest in the, the rhythm of Jesus is not, you know, 
binge-watching Netflix. It is not playing video games. Right? It is not continually scrolling through social media. Right? It's not doing those chores that kind of built up and we weren't able to get to over the, the past week. Right? And it's not even a night out with friends. All those things are great. And all those things are restful. And all those things in their place are, are appropriate. But what I'm talking about today is stepping into these moments where we can get quiet and we can turn our attention to Jesus because those are the places where we find restoration for our souls. The author of Hebrews says, uh, let us, we need to strive to enter that rest, to enter God's rest, right? And that seems like this kind of, uh, what, what would you call that? Like an oxymoron. Thank you, Luke. Right? It's like, what do you mean I have to strive to enter into rest? Right? Because we all know, and I don't know, I'm just using my own uh, ways of distracting myself. I don't know if, if Netflix is your thing or video games or whatever it is that is your distraction. But I know it takes me zero energy to come home from work, sit in the chair, and turn on Netflix. None. It takes no energy. It takes quite a bit of energy to get up a half hour early to get quiet and listen to Jesus. But if I compare the two things, one restores my soul, strengthens me so that I can stand firm in whatever comes at me that day. And one, I don't even know what it is. It's good. I'm not anti-Netflix. I just, you know what I'm saying? You guys with me? Okay, thank you. I'm going to get back to my notes here. That'll probably be good. Um, And so Jesus shows us a way. He shows us a a better way. And this is Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30 from uh, Eugene Peterson, his uh, paraphrase of the the, the Greek Bible. And this is one of my favorite portions in in all of of his uh, message translation. And he says this. Jesus is talking to the people and he says, Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythm of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus wants to lead us into real rest, into the unforced rhythm of grace. And so today I want to see how, specifically in the Gospel of Mark, though we're going to pull some other Uh, gospel text, is we're going to see how Jesus practiced these rhythms of grace and how as we follow him, follow him, we do what he does, we want to do the things that he did. If we want to follow Jesus and do the things that he did, we need to do the things that he did. And... uh, what we see is that Jesus prioritized times of solitude and prayer. 
And it's in these times where we're the source of his compassion and his wisdom and his power. Right? He was fully God, but in the incarnation, he was also fully man. And I, I believe that he revealed to us what it looks like to be fully human. And so in the presence of God, he found compassion and wisdom and power. Right? And we want compassion. Right? We want to be people of compassion. And it's in the presence of God that we find that. Right? Not in right, you know, whatever, I don't know, whatever it is. You know, reading the newspaper doesn't tend to lead us to be people of compassion, but spending time in the presence of Jesus does. So we can take that compassion and deal with the issues of the day. It is in the presence that we get wisdom, that he helps us to parse out what is true, what is right, what is good. How do we walk forward? How do we follow the way of Jesus in the midst of tumultuous and difficult times? We find that in the presence of God. And we're going to see that it is in those times of solitude and communion with the Father that Jesus is empowered to do what he did. Right? He was filled with the power of God, and he brought that out into his ministry. All right, so I have a little bit of time to go through just a bunch of scriptures, mostly from the Gospel of Mark. So first, we want to see Jesus at the very beginning of his ministry. And in Mark chapter 1, it says, At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. And so this is right after his baptism. God says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. It's time to get ready for ministry. And the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness, into the desert, into nothing. And it's not like a retreat because Satan is there, right? And so it's this tough time, and he's tempted, and he has to wrestle through some stuff in, in, his, in, his, in his heart or his mind. I don't know what that looks like when you're the Son of God, right? But he was in this place of, you know, uh, of, of waiting on God, of turning his attention in the wilderness. And that is what prepared him to be launched into his ministry. So he starts with silence and solitude in the wilderness. And then we see, just in, later in that chapter, it says, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And so but between the verse we just read and here, he's come out of the wilderness sick people, and he's casting out demons, and he's talking about the, the kingdom of, of God. And it's this busy time at the beginning of his ministry. Very important time. Like, we're, we're laying the foundation. And they wake up that morning and go, where is Jesus? Oh, he's off by himself again. He's off by himself again. And one of my favorite Bible verses from Luke is that it says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. I think that the disciples got used to waking up and going, where is, where is Jesus? Okay, well, got to go climb the mountain. That's where Jesus is, right? He's in his quiet place again, because that is his practice. 
Jesus valued the Sabbath. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as the disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The, the, the Pharisees didn't like that very much. They're like, oh, he's working on the Sabbath. All right, we've got laws that say you can't pick heads of grain on the, on the Sabbath. What are you doing? But Jesus says, no, I'm not buying into your kind of pharisaical idea of Sabbath legalism. Not interested in that. The Sabbath is a gift. It's a gift from God. It is for your joy. It's not supposed to be this burden. Right? Because Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And this is our opportunity to let go of the weight of the world, the weight of what's, what's going on, and we can just stop and rest and find rejuvenation in the presence of God. Chapter 3, Jesus gets away again. He withdrew to his, with His disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. I think that Jesus here is withdrawing with His disciples. Right to teach them, guys, it's really important that we have healthy rhythms in our life, right? All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. I think that's a, I don't, I don't know what passage that is, but it's in there, I'm sure of it, right? And so he's like, get away, it's time, we're, we're really busy, and all of a sudden there's this crowd there, and Jesus, full of compassion, you know, ministers to this crowd. And I think it's, it's okay because his rhythm of, of continually practicing getting away meant that his tank was full enough that when he got distracted, something unexpected came up, he was full so that he could just minister to these people and love on these people. Luke chapter 6. I pulled this one in from Luke because I think it's really, really important. Jesus used prayer before making significant decisions. Brilliant. Good idea, Jesus. So in Luke 6, he's actually getting ready to name his, the 12 disciples. Right? Who am I going to call? Right? And he, I, I can just picture Jesus kind of going out to his quiet place, withdrawing again. And he's like, God, I think you've made a horrible mistake. Simon? Like. The guy, I mean, he's a zealot. Like, not the, not the sharpest tool in the shed, right? I'm not sure this is a good idea. Matthew, right? He's a traitor and a tax collector. Probably not, probably not great. Peter, he's like, I don't, you never know what Peter's going to do. Like, he's crazy. Like, maybe, could I get 12 different people? We could try again, right? That may, maybe that did or did not happen. It did, definitely did not happen. That way, but you know, he's in this place of prayer, right? Kind of wrestling with God. Would you give me your wisdom? Show me who should I call? Jesus went to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called the disciples to him and chose 12 of them who he also designated apostles. Right? That is God's wisdom. These 12. My habit is to just do stuff and then ask God to bless it. I know that probably the rest of you guys would never struggle with something as foolish as that. We're just, I'm just like, I just got to get stuff done. And I, I love Jesus. I prayed a couple days ago. It's fine, right? I would you just bless this thing? 
Right? But I have, I have learned right, that it is in, from the place of, uh, of rest and, and waiting on the Lord that helps me to actually make much better decisions. Right? And so before meetings, I take a minute or five minutes just to get quiet, wait on the Lord, ask for His wisdom. Before any major decision, I try to stop and rest and quiet myself before Him. It was actually in this process of, of learning how to, to rest and, and wait in God that I felt His call to go into ministry. And so sometimes I think maybe I shouldn't have, have stopped and listened. I, who, maybe. But it's a, it, this, he, he showed, the, showed me the path. He's like, here's a door. I, I'm going to invite you into this thing. I, and I was like, okay, it's been so good. Okay. Right, James, as we talked about in the last few weeks, he uh, said that if we ask for wisdom, he's happy to give it to us. Right? And we all know there's a bunch of stuff going on in our world and in our country today. Right? And we need to sort this stuff out. Right? It's not easy. Right? There's very smart people in all different sides of this kind of saying, this is what's truth. This is what we need to do. This is how we handle this. But man, what we need to do is step into the presence of God and go, man, God, I need your wisdom. I need you to, to be the, the, the light for my feet. Right? I want to walk faithfully before you. I want to be a witness of you. God, show me. Give me wisdom in this. And I've been wrestling through a bunch of stuff for weeks. It's kind of heavy. It's kind of tiring. It's kind of, and, but I feel like God has been opening my eyes, giving me wisdom, helping me have conversations with a variety of people, recognizing, okay, this is the way of Jesus. This is the way forward. He does it. He answers our prayers. He is wisdom. Okay, i got to move on. Matthew 14. It was in times of solitude and prayer that Jesus worked through grief and other hard emotions. When Jesus heard that his cousin John the Baptist had been beheaded, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. His cousin just murdered by this unjust ruler. Because some girl danced well. Right? Like, that's why John died. It's crazy. And what Jesus does is he gets away. He, 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 he is willing to, to do the work and look at what's going on in his heart. I, I know that when I encounter grief, what I want to do is just you know, distract myself. from. I don't want to deal with it. It's painful. It's hard, right? We think, oh, time heals all wounds. I'll just walk. I just need some time. And if I just distract myself long enough, this, this pain will go away. I think the truth is that it's the presence of God in allowing Him to, uh, to work through the pain as we sit there in the midst of it, in, as we lament it, as we sit in our sorrow. That is where the healing comes from, as the Spirit comes and meets with us. We give it to Him. God, I'm so angry. I, I don't understand why this happened. I'm so sad. We just lament before the Lord. That's what Jesus did. 
Jesus continues to teach his disciples to rest. Mark 6, then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. There's so much going on in their ministry. Like they don't have any time to eat. They're praying for people, casting out demons, right? healing blind eyes. You know, who knows what they're doing? Uh, lengthening legs. <laughs> um, uh, and, uh, and, and there's all this stuff going. It seems like we can't stop, right? Let's keep going. There's stuff to be done. And Jesus is like, all right, it's time to get away. You guys haven't even eaten all day. We're going. He said... Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And so they went away. They went in a boat, which I think is significant. (laughs) We spent the weekend up near Traverse City, and I'm just watching all these people, happy, happy people in boats. And I'm just with Amber. I'm kidding. That's a joke. That's a joke. Love. We had a great time watching other people in boats. Um, so he went off my boat. Moving on. Okay, I like to get myself in trouble right near the end of the sermon. Uh, after another busy day, Jesus finds rest and rejuvenation in prayer with the Father. He dismisses the crowds. He went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was alone. Right? He needed his downtime. Amber and I were in the, uh, in, on the Sea of Galilee, and the, the tour guide points up at this mountain. He thinks a lot of people believe that that mountaintop is, is a place where Jesus would get away and, and just be alone. I'm like, I don't know how they picked that, that place, but it was just like, oh, yeah, I need to, to get away and find my silence. Then in 727, he entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. Right? Introverts rejoice, right? He uh, is like, uh, I can imagine, like, this is the, Jesus is grocery shopping, right? And he turns down the aisle and he sees somebody he knows and he's like, eh, no, <laughs> nope, not today. <laughs> We're not going to deal with that guy today. Uh, right? he, need, he knew when he needed to, to find rest and it was okay. Okay, moving on. Uh, okay, this one's important. <laughs> this one. This is finally a good one. It was consistent prayer and being with the Father where Jesus was empowered to, uh, to do ministry. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus' disciples are having a real hard time uh, dealing with this demon that's possessing uh, a, a young boy. They couldn't drive it out, right? And I imagine they're down there and they're, they're praying and they're rebuking and they're doing whatever it is that, that you do. And Jesus comes down, and he'd just been on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter and James. He'd just heard, right? He'd just heard the Father say, this is my son whom I love, right? This, this, this identity, this encounter with God. And he, he comes down, he sees his disciples struggling, and he steps in, he rebukes the Spirit. And, and Mark chapter 9 says, the Spirit shrieked, convulsed, and the uh, convulsed the boy and came out. His disciples asked, why couldn't we drive it out? Why couldn't we drive this demon out? And Jesus says, this kind can only come out by prayer. But if you look in chapter 9, Jesus doesn't pray. He rebukes the demon. The demon f- fled. So what does he mean? 
It means that Jesus had just come from this encounter with the living God. Right? He had he'd received identity. He had spoken with his father. He had been alone on the mountaintop with a couple of friends. And he lived a life that was saturated in communion with God. He was continually filled up with the, the presence and the power of God. And so when he encountered something that wasn't kingdom, it wasn't a big deal, right? He just rebuked it. And the kingdom of darkness has to flee. This kind can only come out by prayer. Matthew 15, Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up to a mountainside and sat down. Jesus liked being outside. He liked being by the Sea of Galilee. He liked walking up in the mountains. Right? We can encounter God not in our house or inside the church. Right? You can encounter God on a, on a walk. You can encounter God while you're sitting, you know, waiting for, to kill a deer. What do they call that? A deer blind. Sometimes I reveal the truth of me. Right? I, and uh, so you can encounter God, right, with a fishing pole in your hand. Right? You can encounter God when you're just out walking. This stuff is this, it's so beautiful. We see the glory of nature. And we encounter God there. I find that I have to if I want to do that, I need to leave my headphones at home, leave my phone in the car. I need to get away from that stuff so I can just turn my attention to God. Uh, we talked about how Jesus had an encounter on, in uh, Mark 9 on the Mount of Transfiguration where he heard, this is my son whom I love, listen to him. Right? We, we need those encounters. We saw two weeks ago that Isaiah was launched into his ministry after an encounter with God. Right? It was an intense encounter. This angel comes and touches the, the coal to his lips, and that's painful. Right? Getting away with God isn't always you know, lollipops and rainbows. Right? Sometimes there's work to be done, and it's a little bit painful, but man, it is worth it. And then finally, the night before his crucifixion, Jesus was in his usual place of prayer on the Mount of Olives. And he's sitting with his disciples just before this. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for the many. Truly, I tell you, I will not drink it again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. On the eve of the most significant moment in his ministry, Jesus gets quiet and gets away and prays. Because he needed that encounter, he needed to be filled up again to step into this tragic, terrible thing that he had to do. Right? We even see that in prayer. God, if it's possible, take this cup away from me, but not my will, but yours be done. Right? If we want to be those people, those people that say, God, I don't want to do this, but not my will, yours be done, we need to be people
So Jesus, the, the fully divine Son of God, needed to practice rhythms of rest so that he could be fully equipped. He would be ready to, to stand firm and fulfill his mission. And you and I, we're all on mission. We all are bearing witness of Jesus. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's in our homes. It's in our conversations with friends. It's in our conversations with family. We don't want to enter any opportunity on empty. We want to be continually filled. We want to have the presence of God, the the Spirit of God overflowing in our lives. And that comes from the discipline of entering into rest. It's more discipline than just going, God, fill me up and running out the door. It's more discipline than just turning up for church and hoping that that covers you for the next six days. This is a practice of the rhythms of Jesus who often got away by himself to pray. So if you're here today or you're tuning in online and you're feeling tired, you're feeling worn out, maybe you're even feeling burned out on religion, well, I believe that Jesus is inviting you to enter into his rest. Real rest, real joy, real hope, real peace are only found in him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. And Lord, we thank you that we get to enter into your rest. Lord, we repent for just the the way that we have allowed busyness and distraction to to keep us from that. Lord, we've not disciplined ourselves. We repent. And so, Lord, I ask that today you would help each and every one of us to do this. Lord, even if it's just five minutes or ten minutes, help us to stop and soak or to stop and practice silence and solitude. Help us to find moments to go for a walk without our phones so that we can just drink in your goodness and your glory. Lord, I pray that as, as we individually and as a, a community learn to practice your rhythms of rest, you would fill us up so that we would be better and better witnesses of you. Lord, that as we step out into Cass County, that we would change the atmosphere. Lord, that we would bring your joy, that we would bring your peace, that we would bring your hope into tumultuous, difficult times. Lord, help us to bear witness of you that draws people to you. Lord, we want to be, to be doing what you have called us to do. We want to do what you did. So help us to do what you did. Jesus, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, well, guys, thank you for for joining us. Uh, So glad to to be with you guys this morning. On my right, there is a prayer team. They would love to, to pray with you for anything, any needs that you have whatsoever. If you have a difficulty entering into rest, they would love to pray with you to kind of, kind of just break off whatever that is that's holding you back.
So I take advantage of that. Uh, and on my left is uh, the prophetic team. They're trained to, to hear God's voice, to speak words of, of encouragement and love from the Father to you. It's a very powerful ministry. I encourage you to take, uh, take advantage of that. With that, you are dismissed. There's coffee and donuts in the family room, and we will see you next week. Bye.